Good morning, folks. I think we'll get started if you can gather around. There's also, if you didn't get one, there is a handout right up front. Handouts if you didn't get one. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all. My name, for those of you who don't know me, I'm uh, Dan Adams. This is my wife, Teresa, over here. Um, we have uh, just a little bit of brief introduction. Um, we have two sons, uh, two married sons, uh, one uh, with two sons living in Houston, Texas, and my youngest um, with one newborn in, uh, on the Gold Coast of Australia. Uh, so we get to see them as often as we can. Uh, I, no, no. Uh, I'm retired from the Walt Disney Company, and about three years ago, after being in many parts of the country, we moved from back to St. Louis from uh, from Los Angeles. Um, and now, being retired, I I still continue to do a little bit of consulting, and I still serve on a, uh, the board of a children's hospital in California, but most of the time I like spending time with my horse and keeping him between me and the ground, and that's, uh, <laughs> that's the focus. But, uh, so it's great to be with you. Uh, it's a real privilege. Um, first and foremost, we want to talk about our announcements. Um, if you haven't seen the announcement, there's only a couple of them. Um, First one is the equip, new equip classes are not on the app, but if you go to the group section and scroll up, you'll find the, uh, you'll scroll up and find the upcoming equip classes, and we won't get into those, but you can take a look at those when you have a chance. Um, and then the other, the only other announcement is for those of high school aged children. There's the uh, Ignite Conference coming up in Hutchinson, Kansas on the 23rd through the 25th of February, um, and you can go to the app for more information on that. And we do have one more class in this section. Mark's going to be teaching on suffering next week. Um, so if you go to the group section under equip, you will find under the resources tab a section to sign up for snacks. And I noticed this morning that there's still opportunity to bring snacks. Uh, next week, so if you'd like to go on there and register for that, that would be terrific. Um, so thank you. So I, I just want to say to, um, we've now had four um, classes on the spiritual disciplines. Eric did Bible and prayer, and then uh, Joe did worship, and last week Brevin did fellowship. Next week Mark will do, as I said, uh, suffering. But this morning, we're going to be looking at a few passages that really speak to the issue of, of, uh, of the, the spiritual discipline, but specifically to the issue of service. And, and specifically is how it relates to our spiritual gifts. So we're going to be looking at spiritual gifting uh, and service this morning. But before we do, let's, uh, let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time we can gather together. We thank you for your word. We pray now that as we continue in this important series of spiritual disciplines as we begin this new year and, and disciplines that we need to focus uh, our lives upon, we, we just pray now that you'd open our hearts and minds to, the, to your word as we look at this all-important area of, of service to you and to our 
church. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So, in your notes, John MacArthur said, Pouring out your life in the service to the Lord is simply the truest and purest way to live with the greatest impact both in time and eternity. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. But by way of introduction, just uh, do you have any thoughts as to what are some of the common reasons why people don't serve in their church? Why are some of the reasons you hear why people aren't serving? Too busy. What else? Not not capable, don't have enough skills and abilities. Good, yeah. good, yes. Anything else? Too costly. In what way? Uh, well, time, um, and then also, you know, it may take some of your personal resources to serve. Okay. Uh, and then also, um, you may have to die to yourself to serve as well. Serve in an area that you uh, aren't necessarily... <laughs> that you love, you know. Sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Mike, you had your hand raised. Yeah, I was going to comment. A lot of times um, people are afraid. And, and what I mean by that specifically, you put yourself out into, into a serving role and if something goes wrong. And right. if you're leading in that role or had anything to do with what went wrong, and it's like, no, I don't want to deal with that hassle. Sure. I'm afraid something might happen. I'm afraid that I might look bad. I'm afraid the service might not be good enough. So a sense of fearfulness in service. Yep. Good. Anybody else? I jotted down a few um, that I was thinking about, and, and you've already mentioned some of them. Too busy. Uh, the other one is I don't know of or about opportunities that are available. Um, we mentioned I don't have the skills required. Um, or I'm serving in other ways outside the church is another excuse. I live too far away to serve effectively. Everything seems under control. I'm not needed. And if you look at our church, you could very easily come away with the feeling that Everything is under control. Uh, there's no room for me to serve in my area of giftedness. Uh, I don't know what my spiritual gifts are is another, another one that I think I find to be most common. Uh, not really sure what they are. And the last one that I jotted down was no one asked me. And so hopefully... Um, as we, as we look into God's Word today, we're going to be able to answer or address most of those reasons why people don't serve. Uh, our texts this morning are going to come from Ephesians chapter 4, 1 Peter 4, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and then we'll finish it up with 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we're not going to do a, a deep dive into these passages, but we're going to pull out what, what we need as, as it relates to this area of of service and hopefully that will be uh, sufficient. So let's first begin by turning to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and we're going to look at the first motive for service which is the source of our gift. The source of our gift. First Ephesians chapter 4 verses 4 through 6 
focus on the oneness and the unity of the Trinity. And that emphasizes for us the oneness or unity of the church. It says in verse 4, if we're all there, there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So this is the universal unity of, of the church. Is there is one body, the body of Christ, one living, breathing organism known as the church. And it is, it encompasses all born-again believers. And then it says, and one spirit who dwells in all of us and empowers this body, the church. And then we were all under, as it says, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But verse 7 starts by saying, but, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So we see the, the word but in verse 7, but, or you look at it as on the other hand, as much as there is a oneness and unity in the church, there is also what? great diversity, isn't there? Because it says grace was given to each one of us, and there are no exceptions to that. To each one of us has been given grace. And this is a gift of grace from Christ. It says measured out, not to redeem us, but to what? Gift us. MacArthur went on to say, I have been given at the point of my salvation by Christ through the ministry of the Spirit of God a divine enablement to do what He designed for me to do. So the first motivation for serving is because Christ is the source of our gift. The source of our gift is Christ Himself. himself. The gift, however, it's different for each of us. Everyone is measured out, as it says, or made in proportion, a gift of grace from Christ. And here the word gift is doria, which is emphasis the its emphasis on the freeness of the gift, the unmerited, undeserved um, gift of, of, of Christ. These gifts are also referred to, and we'll look at this mostly, um, also called, referred to as charisma, which is grace gift, or pneumomodicon, which is spiritual gift as opposed to natural gifts. And we'll be looking at these different types of gifts during the course of the, um, the, the study today. And, and this, this is the first note um, that you have in your notes. You've been given two spiritual gifts. This comes from um, our study with Pastor Rich and Forge on pneumatology. This, this um, section, gift number one, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a universal and general gift from God given at the request of the Son. And the fruit of this gift encompasses the Spirit's work in the believer. Gift number two are unique and special gifts. They, upon arrival, the Holy Spirit grants gifts to us as individuals for life within the body of Christ. And the unique gift is the way by which the Spirit chooses to work 
through the believer. So the Holy Spirit works in the believer and with the gifts he chooses, he, we, he works through the believer. So now let's turn quickly to uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, but we'll be coming back to Ephesians, so if you want, you can stick a, a marker in there. We'll be back to that a little bit later. But Ephesians chapter 4, if, uh, what did I say? I'm sorry. 1 Peter chapter 4. And if we, uh, the first one there, if, uh, you'd read starting in verse 10. Read verses 10 and 11. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, Mark. Uh, so, so verse 10, each one of us has received a gift. A gift grace, charisma is a word used for, for gift here. Uh, a, a, a divine gift. Um, and, and we are to use it how, it says here in verse 10? Serve one another. As good, as good stewards. So we're, we've been given a divine gift and we're to use it as good stewards like a good steward would who is managing the property, the assets, um, or the affairs of another. We are to manage our gift well. It says as good stewards of God's varied grace. So varied. These gifts are designed by God and come in many many varieties. They are multicolored, multifaceted gifts. No two of them are the same. No two of us are gifted the same. In the Essential Christian Doctrine, a handbook on biblical truth, MacArthur writes concerning these gifts, it is probably better to think each believer receives a giftedness rather than a gift. That is, each Christian has a unique blend of several gifts not just one exclusive gift. And I like what, it, what Pastor Rich uh, mentioned at one point. He noted it is a misunderstanding of spiritual gifting to think of yourself as having one gift. It is better to think of the Spirit granting you a gift set. The next uh, item in your notes, uh, a gift set. So we'll be referring to gifts as a giftedness, a gift set, or a gift all meaning basically the same thing. So Peter tells us, in addition to the gift of salvation God has given us, we have been given, we have been divinely given a multifaceted gift to serve one another, and we need to manage that well. Staying in uh, 1 Peter, so what are these gifts? Ver verse 11 tells us, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So we see in this verse, these gifts come in two categories. Speaking, those are, that's the ability to communicate divine truth, and the second is serving. Speaking and serving gifts, the verbal and nonverbal abilities. 
measured out in the proper proportion to each of us by the Holy Spirit. And as Mark read in verse 11, and the purpose for that is in order that everything God, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The whole purpose of man is to glorify God. So now there are at least five lists, gift lists found in the New Testament, and no two of these are identical. So it's, pro it's better, I think, for us to, to view them as representative and not exhaustive. So they are categories of gifts as opposed to an exhaustive list of, of gifts. And I think the next uh, note in your, in your uh, handout, uh, and this is very important, Every, everyone has a gift, a unique and special gift. We are, you've heard this before, I'm sure, spiritual snowflakes or fingerprints. No two of us is alike. We all have different gifts. We may have similar gifts, but they are no two that are alike. No, teach, no two teachers, no two pastors are exactly alike. They're all a little bit different. All uniquely gifted for service. So the question is, if we're all uniquely gifted, what is the result if we don't use our gift to serve in the body of Christ? What happens? What happens? I think about, is it Second Peter 1, where it says that you don't use yourself for God's work, then you become fruitless. Okay, what, what's the impact on the church? Is the church... There's a gap. There is a gap, isn't there? There's a gap. And you say, well, if you look at New Community Church and you say, well, everything really appears to be working just fine. It's, it's, we're hitting on all cylinders. It's, it's, it's an amazing church. Um, I say that to myself quite frequently. This is a, this is a wonderful, wonderful church. Um, but if we're not using our gifts, there's still nonetheless a gap. And, let me, and, I, and there's an illustration I want to share with you. When I was in high school, I, in woodshop class, um, I cut the end of my finger off. And I didn't actually do it. Somebody else did it, but that's beside the point. Um, but I lost the end of my finger. And, and if you didn't know me and you looked at me, you would say, he looks, doesn't look like there's anything missing. He looks to be functional. Mike would say something different. He knows me a lot better. <laughs> but, but for those of you who don't, would say, I mean, he's functioning fine. Everything looks fine. There doesn't seem to be anything missing at all. Um, but... I'll tell you, this, this little end of my finger is, is not a massive deal. It doesn't change my life in a dramatic way. But there are things that I cannot do because I don't have the tip of my finger. There are just, you know, taking communion. I'm right-handed. So normally you grasp it with your first two fingers, right? 
I got to do it with these two. And it gets a little awkward sometimes trying to take that, try that sometime next time we have communion. <laughs> but, but, the other, but the other thing is, is while I was in high school, having just had my finger, uh, it, the tip cut off, and it was all bandaged up, I was also in typing class. <laughs> now you wonder, he's in woodshop class and typing class. How did he ever graduate? <laughs> but I, I've been asking myself that for, but anyway, so I, so I have this big wrap on my finger, so guess how I learned to type? Without this finger. To this day, I never use this finger for anything. So the point of that story is to basically say, you, can, if you need every single part of your body functioning, including the tip of your, of your finger. Without the tip of your finger, life is not the, thing, the same. Things, certain things don't get done, and certain things don't get done as effectively as they could have if it were there. And so I think that's a, a good picture of, of the church. Yes? In Romans 12, um, 3 through, well, it's a little long because it starts talking about the gifts, but it talks about... Um, that we shouldn't exalt ourselves highly and think of ourselves more than we should, but um, as God has allowed it to teach a measure of faith. For just as you have many members of one body, all the members do not have the same function. So that we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And it goes on to talk about exercising your gifts. So if somebody's not exercising their gifts in the body, it's like you said, there's something that's falling apart, something's yep. missing, or somebody else is doing yep. work that will not allow them maybe yep. to rest or to you know, have their life in, in yep. function and order. Exactly, um, and we're going to get to Romans <laughs> chapter 12, um, but, but exactly, but, but it goes a little bit further than that. It's not that somebody can step in and do it. You know why? They can't just step in and do it because there's no one uniquely gifted as you are. So you can't interchange people. You can't take teacher A and replace them with teacher B and get the exact same thing. There's still something potentially missing because we're all gifted uniquely different. We're all different. We've all been gifted. And we'll get to that in a little bit second, but great segue, Diane, into Romans chapter 12. Let's turn to chapter 12 and let's look at uh, chapter 12 and verse, verses 1 and 2. And, and if someone could read verses 1 and 2. Diane, since you're there, would you read verses 1 and 2? 1 and 2? Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may approve what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And so, as, as, as Diane mentioned earlier, this is where our gifts begin, right? In light of the spiritual riches that we've been blessed with, the, the, in God's mercies, it says, by the mercies of God, in light of those mercies, it re reasonably follows then that we should use our spiritual gifts um, um, and give our, our service to God in its highest form. And I like what Pastor Jerry said when he taught on, on this passage, I think back in October sometime. Um, he said, total, 
Submission to Christ includes giving your life away in spiritual service and ministry that will matter eternally. And we'll get more on that a little bit later in this lesson, eternally. Uh, but verse then, verse 3 then goes on to say, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So we are to think with sober judgment, which produces what? Humility. Sober judgment produces humility, not thinking too highly of ourselves or our gift as we ought to think. We think soberly, each according to the measure. Here we see that word measure again, uh, the correct proportion needed. Each according to the measure of faith, not that God has assigned. And here, this is not saving faith, but it's more of a faithful Stewardship. It's the, it's the kind and the quantity of faith required to operate our gift. So, and this is also in your notes. So, in other words, every believer receives the exact gift and the exact resources he needs to operate that gift and fulfill his role in the body of Christ. We receive the exact gift and the exact resources. Those resources include spiritual resources, intellectual resources, resources, physical, emotional, all that we need to effectively exercise our gift. As we read back in 1 Peter um, 4, verse 11, it says, Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. And verse 4 says, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Just as in Ephesians 4, one body, one unity, different functions. Uh, someone read in Romans 12, uh, verses 5 and 6. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith. So having gifts, again, charisma, the gift of divine grace, that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. We see that same let us use them back in, in 1 Peter 4.10 as well. An exhortation to use those spiritual gifts. So like the human body, the church functions and thrives by all members functioning together. Every single one. No one excluded. And then someone read verses 7 and 8. You can go ahead, Brevin, since you're already there. If service and are serving, the one who teaches and is teaching, the one who exhorts and is exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Thank you. So since we've been given a gift set, a giftedness, that's been given to each one of us by Christ and empowered through the Holy Spirit, and we have the correct proportion of the resources we need to operate it, 
Verse 6 says, let us use it. Let us use it. Or rather, it says, let us use them. Now let's turn uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The fours and the twelves. My brother Mike shared that fours and twelves with me. As a matter of fact, as you're turning there, that's where this, when I knew I was going to be asked to teach service, I sat down with Mike, as we frequently do to, for Bible study, and he just threw out these four verses, and then he left it at that. And I just thought, I started with that and said, that, that's, let's go with that. And uh, so thanks, Mike, for, for, the, uh, for the inspiration. He was my muse for, for this. Even though that just sounded like a dump and run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There <laughs> yeah. you go. That's what I yeah. took yeah. out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just here, here you go. No, he, he was wise. He knew he didn't want to go too far. He wanted to just give enough. So uh, <laughs> thank you, my friend. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, again, varieties, charisma, grace gifts, but the same spirit. Again, the same spirit, varieties of, of, uh, varieties of gifts. And then in verse 5 it says, And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them, in, empowers them all in everyone. And then verse 7 says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So who is your gift to be used for? What is your gift for? For the common good. Which literally translates to bring together. Your gift isn't for you. My gift isn't for me. It's for everyone. It's to bring the body together into one purpose, and that purpose is to build up the body of Christ. Every single one of us. And then verse 8 through 10, he lists some of the categories of gifts, both temporary and permanent, and that discussion we'll save for a later, later time. Uh, someone uh, please read verses 11 through 15. Yes. 11 through 15. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit, who appropriates to each one individual as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. So the physical body is one, but has many members that all function together. Same as the body of Christ. I like verse 11. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Exactly what we've been talking about, right? We've been given a gift, and we've been empowered to operate that gift. I think sometimes uh, we leave off that second part of uh, being empowered. 
we know we have a gift, and then we think, oh, how do I, you know, I'm afraid to use this. We forget that God has empowered us. Given us all the resources we need to operate it, which is, which then now gives us really no excuse, right, not to, not to use it. And, and it gives us no reason to pursue a gift we don't have, right? Because we're not in power, we're, we're not gifted, or, or, or we're not going to be given the resources to operate that gift. So should we, we should use the ones that we've been given and not pursue those we haven't, right? Makes good sense. The Bible's very clear. Um, verse 18 says, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. So like the human body, the church was sovereignly designed by God who knew exactly what it needed and empowers it through the, his Holy Spirit to be exactly what he wants it to be for the common good. Verse 20, as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Verse 28, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. It's, it's so important to understand that we're not all the same. All, all gifts are not the same. And there's an illustration. I'll give you a couple of illustrations. If, if you took a palette of colors with every possible color known to man, and you can imagine that God dipping his brush in a one color and then another and then another and another and, and that becomes you and then the next person it's another color another color so it's we're all made up we're all gifted differently pastor rich likes to use this as an example if you take a a soundboard that has all the levers on it you know the treble the bass the everything else and you, know, you take the massive soundboards and they all have these sliders well, you are a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of the next one, and then the next person is a little bit different. We're all gifted uniquely different. We're all, it's all a blend of a combination of categories of giftedness mixed together to be you, and there's nobody like you. There's nobody like me. My wife says, thank God for that. <laughs> So if you don't, if you don't um, do what you're gifted to do, then it's a loss to the church. It's, then things are not done the way God designed them to get done, even though it looks like it's perfect. Well, the way God designed me to, to use my fingertip is not getting done. It won't get done forever until, until one day that will come back. So the question is, so what are we doing with the gift, the unique gift, the special gift that Christ gave to you personally? Now let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll take a quick look at the second motive. That's the longest motive, by the way, so don't think we're going to, we shouldn't run, hopefully we won't run out of time. The rest of them will go pretty quickly. But the second motive for why we serve not only because of the source of our gift, but also because of its extreme cost, the cost of our gift. And we're going to pick it up back in verse 8. 
Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Now, there's an awful lot here. We're not going to get into the in, into all of this. Suffice it to say that here Paul is using Psalm 68, 18 to show that Christ received the right to give spiritual gifts. And Psalm 68 is a victory hymn uh, composed by David to celebrate God's triumph when the ark of God came back to Mount Zion. And you can read about that in 2 Samuel 6 and 7 and 1 Chronicles 13. It says, he recaptured captives and gave gifts to men. So when a king went to battle and won the victory, he would return to the city of Jerusalem and he would ride up to Mount Zion as a triumphant king. And with him would come along the captives that he would take captive um, in, in battle, and they would include captives from the other army and also recaptured captives from his own people brought back. And then after ascending to Mount Zion, uh, the conquering king took all the spoils of the nation and he disseminated them to all the people. So that's the picture here that Paul is using, um, that Christ is returning from his battle on earth and returning back into the glory of heaven. And so as you look uh, in your notes, um, through his finished work on the cross, Christ conquered sin, Satan, and death, and in victory returned to the Father those who were once sinners and prisoners of Satan. And then also, I think, is in your notes, when our Lord ascended to heaven after having fulfilled all prophecies and all his divinely ordained redemptive tasks, he gave gifts. So when Christ went back into heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit, and with the Holy Spirit came the gifts. So the, so the, the, the main point of, of all of this, uh, these two verses, is, is that the same price that purchased your redemption purchased your gift. So not only is the source of our gift a motive for service, but when we think about what Christ had to pay and suffer to give us our gift, the question is, what are you doing with the gift that Christ has given you at an infinite cost? So we've been motivated by what Christ has done in giving us the gift, paying very high cost for that gift. Now let's take a look at the motivation for what he's doing now. The third motive um, and we're going to stay in, in Ephesians, uh, but the third motive for service is the impact of our gift. And Diane did such a nice job of kind of walking us through this as, as, and teeing this up, so I appreciate that. But she, she also alluded to um, verses 11 through 16, 
Um, and if someone wants to read 11 through, uh, let's just start with 11 through 13. Ephesians chapter 4. Thank you. So first he gave, he gave gifts to each one of us and he gave leaders to us as gifts to the church. They're the frontline gifts. He gave leaders to us for what purpose? To equip believers to use our gifts effectively. So he first gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers. They're the frontline gifts. And then he gave us uh, and then they have the responsibility to equip us for, verse 12, for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So when we use our gift, we're building up the body of Christ. Verse 13, until we all attain the unity of the faith. In this case, faith is the body of re revealed truth. It's all of what we believe, the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So unity or oneness among believers is possible only when there is what? A foundation of sound doctrine. And that's the next point in your notes. When it all works together, the body grows in its knowledge of sound doctrine, and that produces a deep knowledge of the Son of God so that we grow to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Christ is the standard for our spiritual maturity. He's always the standard. And God wants every believer to be like Christ and to reflect his character. We've been learning about that in Forged Men and we've also been learning about that in John chapter 17, that we reflect the glory of God by reflecting the Christ in our, in our lives and reflecting the attributes of God. So then, Christ measures out a gift of grace. The Holy Spirit measures out to correct proportion of spiritual gifts and the measures of the necessary resources to each believer to use to bring the body of Christ to the fullness, the stature of the fullness of Christ, to be Christ-like. So the idea, if you look down to verse 15, the idea is indicated there in verse 15, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. With everybody engaged and participating, we grow to be like Christ. That's also, also I think, in your notes. So verse 16 says, the whole, from the whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Each part is working properly 
makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's what Diane was, I think, referring to earlier. Which each part, when each part is working properly, when everybody is utilizing their gift, it makes a body grow up in Christ-likeness. Biblical church growth comes from every member of the body fully using his or her spiritual gift in submission to the Holy Spirit and in cooperation with other believers. That's in your notes. So we should serve because of what he's done in the past in giving us the gift and in the, in the cost for the gift but also what he's doing in the present to build his church to maturity to Christ's likeness. And there's just one more element I want to just briefly talk about here. Uh, back in verse 14, it says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waters and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. So what else happens when the body is fully functioning and the church matures and it becomes more Christ-like? What else happens? Solidarity. Yeah. And what else happens based on verse 14? We come, become less susceptible to error, don't we? We are less, the church is protected um, protects itself in Christ's likeness. We are, not, we are not, as verse 14 says, no longer children and no longer tossed to and fro by every wave or wind of doctrine. So how important is it for you to be involved in the growth of the church? It's pretty crucial at this point. Yeah. I mean, I know we, we just had a, a, a wonderful baptismal service and our annual meeting, and we talked about how God is blessing the church in, in so many ways and the future, pr uh, the praying for what the future may hold in terms of our facilities and everything else. Um, so given what you just said, yeah, it, it is, it's critically important that we want to be a part of this church growth. And one of the ways we can be a part of this church growth is to utilize our gifts, right? So we've, uh, we've discussed what the Lord has done in the past and what he's doing in the present to build his church. There's a third dimension, and that's future. Uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and the, look at the fourth motive for service, and that is our eternal reward our eternal reward first uh, first Corinthians chapter 3 we'll start in verse 9 and here uh, Paul uses the imagery of of construction he says in verse 9 for we are God's fellow workers you are God's field God's building it's interesting we don't work for God, we work with God. Verse 10, according to the grace of God given to me, 
again, we work with God according to whatever measure of grace has been dispensed to us. So I want to be like a skilled master builder. I lay a foundation and someone is building upon it. So I want to take this gift and I want to build wisely. Verse 10 ends, let each one take care how he builds. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is, la which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. And Christ Jesus, as we know, is the foundation and we are all to build on that same foundation. So how are we to build on it? Verse 12, and also in your notes. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation, and first of all, the reference here is to the evangelists and pastors, but then it's to all believers who are called to build the church through faithful ministry or service. All believers. With gold, silver, precious stones, what are, which, which signifies or indicates or means dedicated spiritual service, service that will have eternal value. So we can build with gold, silver, or precious stones. Or you could build with wood, hay, and straw, which is shallow or worthless activity with no eternal value. These are not evil activities, by the way. These are just activities that do not stand the test of time. They can be any reasonable activity apart from the activity of serving the Lord, serving God in his body. So all of our various activities that we're involved in that don't include service for the Lord that are ultimately going to be worthless for time and eternity, wood, hay, and straw. Verse 13 says, Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Each person's work will appear as they really are. Each, all works will, be, will show up just as they really are. Now, we can do a good job of painting up our wood, hay, and stubble to look great. And it can look, you know, like it's, like it's real and legitimate. But at the end of the day, it's going to be revealed. It's going to be revealed by fire. And when is that going to take place? Judgment seat of Christ. And, and there, um, the place where the Lord will sit to evaluate believers' lives of service for the purpose of giving them or not giving them rewards. And so verse 14 says, If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So we're all going to stand before the Lord someday, and all the wood, hand, stubble is going up in smoke. And I like, as a, a, a couple commentators, um, uh, I'll just quote a couple commentators. As one described this, 
As a builder whose building, not the foundation, is consumed by fire, escapes, but with the loss of all his work. And then I like, the, 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 my favorite is, another one says, I don't want to get to heaven and say, I'm here, but I smell like smoke. Because all my works have been burned up. So when we think about service, we think about what the Lord has done and at what cost. We need to think about what he is desiring to do through us in the function of the body to build his church. And then we also need, lastly, to think about the future and think about what he will one day do with our life's service for him. So just a couple final thoughts, um, and we're wrapping up early, so that's not a good thing. That just means more questions. Um, so the question is, so if you don't know, how, how do I identify my gift? What if I don't know what my gift is? How do I figure that out? Because I think from the people I've talked to over the years, that seems to be the biggest question. Well, how do I know my gift? Well, the first one um, in your notes is pray to the gift giver for guidance to open doors and provide opportunities. So the first most logical thing is Christ has given us the gift. It's been empowered by the Holy Spirit. They have an interest in us in knowing what it is. Pray. Spend time in prayer. What is my prayer, Lord? Or what is my gift, Lord? What is my giftedness? You know, and I don't mean, you know, is my gift this or that or one or the other thing. It's, it's what is my giftedness? So how, how do we find out what that giftedness is? First we pray, and the next we serve. We get involved. We find out what we enjoy doing. What do other people, what do others respond to? As you serve, what do others go, she's helpful, he's helpful. He really has, he's in a, he or she has an ability, she has a gift. We see it all the time when we're, when we're working with other people, don't we? We know who has gifts. We can help those folks out by, by letting them know, you seem gifted in this area. How can I help you identify your gifts? How can you help me identify my gifts? How can the Holy Spirit reveal to me those gifts? It's, it's not just, um, it's a process. It's a little bit, of, it takes a little bit of work on our part, doesn't it? We have to be engaged. We have to serve. Um, where do you like to spend the most of your time? What, what do you enjoy doing? What, what is it that really you could spend all day doing and not even think about how long it's taking you to do this, right? I mean, there's certain things that, that I can just spend all day and it doesn't really matter. I don't, it's not work to me. It's just, I just like doing it, right? So those are some, some clues to kind of help you identify what some of your gifts are. And then I think lastly, seek counsel. Seek counsel and confirmation from qualified and mature Christian leaders, from our pastors and, and our elders who, who desire for you to be able to understand what your gift is because they're, they're the gift to us to teach us what, how we can use our gifts more effectively in building up the body of Christ. So they are more than interested in it. So pray, serve, and then seek counsel from godly leaders and pastors. 
And then lastly, uh, the question is, how can I use my gift at NCC, at New Community Church? Um, there is a place on the app for you to go. And it is, as you go to the app, which I'm seeming to have a challenge doing, um, <laughs> you go to the app and you click in the bottom corner where it says more, you'll see at the almost very bottom, second to the bottom, ministry opportunities form. And you go to that ministries opportunity form and you can go on and select, and I would encourage you to select those things that, that you find of interest. Um, put a lot of them down. And then, and then go to work. And then start getting plugged in. And then, and then the Lord will start to reveal to you, your brothers and sisters in Christ will start to reveal to you where you are, where you are gifted, where you have some ability given to you from the Lord. Not natural talent, but, but spiritual giftedness. And you'll start, it'll all start to come together. But if you sit at home and just, you know, clutch your pearls trying to figure out what my gift is, it's probably going to take a long time, if ever. So you need to kind of get engaged, start to, start to work, start to serve, um, and, and we just pray that the Lord would open doors. But there's a, there's a great uh, app, and that's what it's there for. It's for, for the leaders and the elders to know who's interested in this. So they can start plugging you in. And I'll tell you, the first thing that happens when you fill that out, you're going to get a phone call from somebody. Praise the Lord. You're going to get a phone call from someone, and you're going to go right to work. <laughs> and you're going to get plugged in. And it's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's the greatest thing that's ever going to happen. If you're, if you're new to the church, which I look around and most people aren't, but if you're new, I come from small churches, so this was a little large for me. This church was a little big. And so it took a little to get, to get um, comfortable. And, but the only way you to get comfortable is you just start doing stuff. You just start meeting people. The next thing you know, you know a lot more people than you did the first time you showed up. And now you know almost everybody. So it's terrific. Um, so I would encourage you to go onto that app. I would encourage you to, uh, um, to, to counsel with the, our, our pastors and elders and uh, brothers and sisters in Christ and, and uh, put those, those God-given, Christ-given um, gifts that we have um, in service and work for him. Uh, let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this church, for our leaders and for those who are already faithfully serving and doing the work of the ministry here at New Community Church. Lord, help us to utilize our special and unique gifts to serve you even more in this year to come. Motivate us, Lord, to, by the truth that Christ is the source of our gift that came at an infinite cost. Motivate us by the impact our gift is having now in the building up of the church toward Christ's likeness and by the eternal reward that awaits us one day at the judgment seat of Christ. We pray that you would do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us and we'll give you the glory in Christ's name, amen.
So we have some time, unfortunately. Are there any questions? <laughs> Uh, the cost of Same price that purchased your salvation is that what it is? Yes, the, per, purchased your yeah. Same price that purchased your redemption purchased your gift. Yep. Yep. That was easy. Thank you. Yes. I think sometimes it's helpful for me too to think, um, in addition to the ministry opportunities form, is just who is God putting in my path? And as I hear of needs, like is there a way I can show Christ's love in that moment or meet that gift? Because, you know, I don't think it's physically possible for everyone to have, like, a formal role on a Sunday morning to serve. But yet, there are infinite ways to serve on a Sunday morning, just as we sit next to each other to say, hi, you know, how can we pray for you? And to share our gifts, even in the mercy side, yep. and compassion, and talking to people. Yep. So, I don't know. That's helpful, too. Some of the informal ways to mm -hmm. use our gifts. Yeah, I think that I think they're used all the time. Yeah. Um, and we're not even realizing that we're using our gifts. I mean, we, we think of them so formally yeah. that, that every, everything we do in service for the Lord is, is, is potentially a giftedness, yeah. right? It's, it's an error. And, and, and I think the ones we, we tend to do more and the easiest are the ones probably where we're gifted. Um, and you see it in others probably more than you see it in yourself. And, and I didn't mention this, but, but you know, as, as Romans tells us that we should not think more highly of our gifts than we ought to, um, when it talks about the hand and the foot, if I'm not the hand, then we ought not to think less highly of our gifts than we ought to either. So there's a balance that needs to be maintained in, in how we view our gifts and, and not too highly or not too too lowly and and I think we can go both ways pretty easily we just need to caution and, and, and as we are in the process of using our gifts we just need to keep that in mind I think we'll find too the different seasons of our life will change where you might have been gifted in one area as you go along life's road those gifts come up in another area that maybe you weren't aware of. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important to, to be keen and not to think, well, I did that thus and so, and now I, I don't have anything to do. And I've kind of dealt with that myself. Like, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> when are we going home, Lord? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I, think that's, I, th I think that speaks to that, that um, the unique, the special and unique aspect of our blended giftedness um, that, that, that sometimes over our lifetime, if, if you've been in a, a class where they give you all the different gifts and then they give the definitions of what those gifts are and you read through 12, uh, however many, um, let's say seven gifts in a list and you read through that from one of the five lists, and you go, and you see all the definitions, you say, I have a little bit of every one of those, right? You can kind of see your gifting in every one. Th that's how it's, you don't just go, I'm picking that. That's what I am. You, you can't just do that, because you're really a blend of every, a little bit of every one of them. Some higher, like the Pastor Rich soundboard, some 
some much higher and some more obvious, but some down here too that you still have giftedness in this area that may not be as visible or as, as, as um, prominent. But yeah, I, and I think that happens over time, and I think it happens the more you get involved in, 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 in service. And the more um, aware of the scripture, the more you're in the word, the more you realize, oh, you know, I can do this, yeah. and that's serving God. Good stuff. Anybody else? Michael. Yeah, I was going to comment in Ephesians 4 when we were talking about being tossed and turned. My, my mind was kind of spun up on that because I thought, wow, in the outworking of our spiritual gifts, there's stability. Mm -hmm. And living in the time and age that we live in, and as we mentioned Friday night, going into this election season, and just being constantly, I don't know, like waves, like, like sea waves, you know, pounding up against the shore of our thought life. When you think about spiritual gifts, it's a stabilizing factor. You jump to the Old Testament, and, and there's a picture of being shaken. And I think there's an analogy between Ephesians 4 and like Psalm 15, where yep. the psalmist asks the question, who may come upon the holy hill? Who may come into the tent of meeting? Then he lists six Hebrew parallelisms that have to do in, in a kind of a tangential way with spiritual giftedness. And then at the end of Psalm 15, the psalmist writes, he who does these things shall not be shaken. Mm. So I guess the point that, uh, that it just caused me to think about was how when we engage our spiritual giftedness, there's a stability in life that flows out of it. And so in today's time and age, it's even more important that we embrace this to hold on to who we are and far more importantly, what Christ created us to be, and then fulfilling our destiny in, in these aspects of living our lives. So there you yeah. go. There's a stability in our lives, but that, that also produces a stability in the church. <clears throat> right? Yeah. So beautiful um, synergy there and, and, and um, motivation for Motivation, that would be a good title, Motivation for Service. That's a good motivation. Yes? Um, I was thinking about this as we were reading 1 Corinthians 3, um, where it talks about what we're laying the foundation of, of gold, silver, um, stone, wood, hay. And then um, just if anyone's work is in, he endures, he'll receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he'll suffer loss. I was just thinking through that and wondering what you would answer. What would be the things that we would lay a foundation of that would be burned and would be of loss? Um, well, I, I think any, any area of life that we've devoted to, and it doesn't have to be a bad thing, but apart from service in the body of Christ, our 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 works in the body of Christ are going to be the ones that are judged. So what are we doing? Are we, are we giving, devoting most of our uh, time and energies to our own selfless pursuit of, of fun and enjoyment and wealth and all of these other kinds of things uh, apart from our service for Christ? Or, uh, so those would be the kinds of things. There's nothing wrong with, with certainly we all have to work. Well, I don't anymore, but I, we all have to work. Um, yeah. um, so, the, so 
so all of those things are, are good. And, and there's ways to do all of those things to the glory of God and in service to God. But there's also ways to do them for ourselves, and do them for our own selfish reasons. And so I think those are the kinds of things that are going to surface to be hay, wood, and stubble at the end of the day. Does that answer your question? It was a good answer. I just I didn't know if it was a, an answer to your question. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to tack on in our conversation a minute or two ago about how we have like little bits of different gifts. I was thinking about how like in the world you often hear people excuse like things based on their personality, but I also think we can excuse things based on our gifts. Like for example, let's say I'm gift of mercy and I'm like I'm not going to have a hard conversation with someone. I'll leave that for like the gift of exhortation people. Or maybe your gift of exhortation and you're like, I don't need to step into that opportunity to be merciful. I'll leave that for the mercy people. So just thinking through how, like, in Scripture, we're commanded to bear one another's burdens. We're commanded to yeah. speak the truth of love. If you think about Christ and how he was the perfect blend of everything we're called to be, just how sometimes it is that, okay, God, I'm not as good with having those truth-filled conversations. Give me courage right now. Give me clarity. Like, not kind of using our gifts as excuses to not do the things we're called to be in scripture too because i think it's easy to do that at least for me so that's that's really that's very important very good very good uh response um and comment because um we are we are not free from all the one another's in the in the scripture we are not free from all, doing all the other things that we're commanded to do. We're just uniquely gifted in certain areas, um, and, and that's all it means. It doesn't mean we're, we, are, we have a get-out-of-jail-free card for everything else. I made this, therefore I'm excluded from all of that. Uh, but, but we are just uniquely gifted in other areas, not to the exclusion of the others. So very good point. Thank you. All right, we are one minute to go. Anything else? All right. I wrote down one small note of what you were speaking of. Um, beloved who stands married to her maker lives free to engage in her gifts. I was just thinking personally how sometimes I can maybe look more toward my gifts, the ways I'm gifted. And you know, and how pride and shame can either, you know, I go up or down based on what I think other people might view my gift as or trying to get bogged down under even searching for whatever those gifts are. But I, I was just I was just thinking about how you know we're not defined by our gifts, but we're defined by our maker. Yeah. Yeah. So when we're, you know, the pillar and ground of truth and that's something you touched on is like, wow, that's spot on. You know, if you fall in if you're uh, if you fall into false doctrine, things can you know it can become confusing, and it can stunt the growth of God's body yeah. if we're not you know grounded in truth. So we're able to be built up, grow up. I'm a, we'll close with this one this one story um, that kind of speaks to that. Uh, over the years, I was able to serve on the council of a, of a mission agency called Baptist Church Planters in Elyria, Ohio. Um, and I served there for 12 years, and they plant churches around the country. Well, I was one of the lay council members. The rest of it was mission, were missionary and pastors. So I would go to these council meetings, 
And I would feel so inferior because of all the godly men sitting around the table and pastors and teachers. And I just felt, and so I started to act like them. I mean, I started to try to be like them. I started to, and, and the president of the, of, the, of the organization, a good friend of mine, said, what's, what's your problem? I said, I, I said, I just, I'm just overwhelmed. He said, you know, we got all the pastors and missionaries we need. What we need are lay people who can come to the council meetings and bring, bring what, they, the, what they're gifted to bring. We don't have that in the rest of us. So what you bring is, is to us more valuable. So he says, just be you. And I think that's the answer at the end of the day, is just be who God made you. We'll close with that. Thank you.